from Tokyo, Japan, and New Plymouth, New Zealand. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Samantha Vega. Hello, Samantha. How are you today? Hi, Skip. Not so bad, I guess. I just got back from a conference that took a bit out of me energy-wise. Oh, what was that conference about? It was on working with youth to help them gain employability skills. If you don't know, Samantha works with young people to help them find sustainable employment. That's right. There were a dozen of us that worked through different exercises to help students gain confidence and to understand their values and emotions better. I wish I had more confidence and understood my emotions better. <laughs> well, Oh, don't we all? And you, how are you doing, Skip? Hmm, I'm fine, all things considered. Just getting used to the new normal, I suppose. The new normal, what's that? Are you referring to your university classes? Have they started up again? No, no, not that. You know, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and the ascension of King Charles III. Ah, that. Yes, that. It is the end of a very historic era and the beginning of a, a new one. I think we are in store for some pretty big changes. Des would be more of an expert on that topic, wouldn't you think? Him being British and all. True, but you and I, being from Canada and New Zealand, we are both Commonwealth citizens. So any changes would impact us as well. I suppose. Queen Elizabeth seemed like a nice person and all, but I would have to say that the whole monarchy system has pretty much run its course, if you ask me. Oh, I wasn't really meaning the British monarchy. I was referring more to the future of the Commonwealth. Ah, the Commonwealth. You know, other than being a citizen of the Commonwealth, I don't really know much about what it is or what it does. Well, you are in the right place then, as... That is exactly what I'd like us to talk about today. A crash course on the Commonwealth? A crash course on the Commonwealth. Nice. So, let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with the Commonwealth. What is the history of this intergovernmental organization? What are its goals? And what does the future hold for the Commonwealth now that Queen Elizabeth is gone? I think everyone is familiar with the Commonwealth Games, the sporting event that is held every four years. In fact, the most recent Games were held this summer in Birmingham, England, I believe. They were. And those Games are just a small part of what the Commonwealth does. Can I tell you some other not well-known facts about the Commonwealth? Before we get into that, can you talk about its history? How the Commonwealth came to be? Sure. The Commonwealth is very much a product of the 20th century. It grew out of the British Empire, which by 1945 was completely broke. Broke? Flat broke. In fact, they had to get an emergency loan from the United States to stay afloat and avoid bankruptcy. Fighting two world wars in less than 50 years would have that effect. Not only were they facing bankruptcy... 
their influence as a global superpower had diminished significantly as well. Just because they didn't have money? And because many of their colonies had achieved different levels of independence over the previous 50 or 60 years, thus reducing the UK's influence. Canada and New Zealand would be good examples of that. They would be. The Dominion of Canada came into existence in 1867 and the Dominion of New Zealand in 1907. Perfect examples. Early in the 20th century, in 1926 to be exact, Britain and its dominions established the British Commonwealth of Nations. And which countries belong to that group? It consisted of the dominions of Australia, New Zealand, India, South Africa, the Irish Free State, Canada, and Newfoundland. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot that Newfoundland didn't become a part of Canada until 1949. And that's why, until this very day, Newfoundland is always behind the rest of Canada. A half hour behind. (laughs) Very funny. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, But it's a bit of an inside joke. Anyway. Anyway. The British Commonwealth of Nations was a community of equal nations within the British Empire. Each country had pledged allegiance to the British monarchy, but were not under the control of the United Kingdom. Who was the King of England at that time? That would have been George V, Queen Elizabeth's grandfather. The crown then passed to his eldest son, Edward VIII, after George passed in 1936. And Edward VIII was Queen Elizabeth's father? No, Edward VIII was her uncle. Elizabeth's father was Edward's younger brother. Now my history is coming back to me. Edward abdicated, or gave up the throne, after only a year as king, because he wanted to marry an American divorcee. Wallace Simpson. Which was impossible in those days. The crown then went to Edward's brother, who became King George VI. I can tell that you have been watching season one of The Crown on Netflix. I could say the same for you. Well, no, I'm just a bit of a history buff. So, Queen Elizabeth's father was the head of the British Commonwealth of Nations. This global community of former British colonies and dominions who pledged allegiance to the British king but was not under the control of the British government. That's right. But in 1947, India, the most populous British Commonwealth nation, gained independence, and they wanted to become a republic. Ah, and as a republic, they no longer wanted to pledge any allegiance to a British monarch. Correct. But at the same time, England didn't want them leaving the Commonwealth. So... In 1949, at a Commonwealth Prime Minister's meeting in London, the London Declaration was agreed to. And what did they declare? The Declaration stated that republics and other countries could be part of the Commonwealth. Thus, the modern Commonwealth of Nations came into being. And who belonged to the Commonwealth at that time? There were eight countries originally. The UK, India, Pakistan... South Africa, Sri Lanka, or Ceylon, as it was called then, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. A fairly small organization. Yes, fairly small in comparison to the United Nations, which was established around the same time. Queen Elizabeth became 
head of the Commonwealth after her father died. And she really made it her mission to expand. I wonder what her motivation was. To revive Britain's place on the world stage? Well, it's interesting. This is what she said in 1953, shortly after becoming queen. Quote, The Commonwealth bears no resemblance to the empires of the past. It is an entirely new conception, built on the highest qualities of the spirit of man, friendship, loyalty, and the desire for freedom and peace. To that new conception of an equal partnership of nations and races, I shall give my heart and soul every day of my life. Say what you want about the Queen. She certainly was a committed individual. That she was. Under Elizabeth, the Commonwealth grew from those eight countries to a total today of 56. The two most recent countries to join being Gabon and Togo, who only joined this year. There are 56 Commonwealth countries? I did not know that. There are. 15 of those are referred to as Commonwealth realm countries, meaning their official head of state is the British monarch. That would include Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Along with the Bahamas, Belize, Grenada, Jamaica, Antigua and Barbuda, Papua New Guinea, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Tuvalu, and the Solomon Islands. But the other 41 countries don't recognize the Queen, or I should say now the King as their head of state? That's right. They are completely independent from the British monarch, and many of them are republics. So you don't have to list all 56 countries, but can you give me an idea of where they're located? In Africa? Mm, 21 of them are in Africa, another 8 in Asia, 11 are in the Pacific, 3 in Europe, and that one of those would be the UK itself, and 13 in the Caribbean and Americas. The other big question I have is, what are the benefits of belonging to a Commonwealth, other than getting to participate in the Commonwealth Games every four years? <laughs> well, according to their website, the Commonwealth works towards the shared goals of prosperity, democracy, and peace. And how do they go about accomplishing that? Well, they have over 80 organizations that they fund. And these organizations are involved in all kinds of activities, from protecting the environment, to boosting trade between member nations, to supporting democracy through election monitoring. The list of their programs goes on and on. But you're getting that information from their website. Of course, it all sounds progressive. Well, here are some other statistics from their website that might interest you. Commonwealth countries are home to a third of the world's population, 2.5 billion people. And a third of that population are between the ages of 15 and 29. So the Commonwealth is quite young. And half of the world's top 20 emerging cities are in the Commonwealth. Young and dynamic. In terms of GDP, the combined GDP of the Commonwealth countries was 13.1 trillion U.S. dollars in 2021. Hmm. I think that is less than the EU, but not insignificant. One other statistic is that trade between member countries 
costs 20% less than trade between non-member countries. Ah, so out of those statistics, I would say that that last one is the most relevant, especially now that the UK has Brexited. Hmm, very good point. The UK may be turning more to their Commonwealth trading partners moving forward. In any event, the Queen must have been quite pleased with the growth of the Commonwealth over her reign. Absolutely. In many ways, it was her crowning achievement. Excuse the pun. You are excused. So what happens now that Charles is king? Is it business as usual for the Commonwealth? Yes and no. What do you mean? Well, the Commonwealth itself will continue on. There's no doubt about that. But there are a lot of questions being raised by some of the realm countries. The ones that have King Charles III as head of state. As to whether or not they should reevaluate their ties to the British monarchy. Mm. Not here in New Zealand. The government has already proclaimed Charles III as head of state. And Jacinda, sorry, Prime Minister Ardern, has said she expects our ties to the royals to deepen under his reign. Hmm, interesting. But all eyes really are on the Caribbean. Last year, Barbados cut ties with the monarchy and became a republic. And now Belize, the Bahamas, Jamaica, Antigua and Barbuda, they are all considering going down the same path. As in becoming republics. Yes. But if Barbados is an example, they would remain in the Commonwealth. And what about in Canada? Is there talk about removing the monarchy as head of state? Nothing substantial as of late, but polling done by Global News in 2021 showed that something like 60% of Canadians say the relationship between Canada and the British monarch should come to an end after the Queen's death. Hmm. Which has now come to pass. Which has now come to pass. So it looks like King Charles has a tough road ahead of him. Or he at least has some pretty big shoes to fill. He does. And on that note, I think it is time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. find down-to-business English useful in your English studies? Would you like to support the show? Consider becoming a D2B member today. Down-to-business English memberships come with three great benefits. First, D2B members receive bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only episodes. Second, Within moments of a new episode being released, an audio script is automatically emailed to you. There is no need for D2B members to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into their account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. And third, D2B members have 100% access to the entire library of audio scripts all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, right up to the most recently released episode. Interested in becoming a member? Just visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. (music) 
We have six items on our vocabulary list today. And just before we start with the first one, I want to encourage everyone to go and visit the D2B website and download yourself the audio script to today's episode. Yes, it's a great learning tool. Not only are there links to the dictionary definitions of each D2V word we discuss, but by studying the audio script, you will encounter other useful words and phrases that Skip and I use in the report that we don't have time to deal with in D2V. And in addition to the dictionary definitions, I also include links to some of the websites and YouTube sources that were used to research the episode. You do? I didn't know that. I do. So, if you want to learn more about the Commonwealth, go get yourself the audio script. Our website address is downtobusinessenglish.com. That's one word, downtobusinessenglish.com. Okay, with that out of the way, first up on our Down to Vocabulary list is the phrase to be in store for something. When you tell someone that they are in store for something, you are saying that something is about to happen to them in the very near future. In today's introduction, Skip said that the world is in store for some big changes now that Queen Elizabeth is gone. I was saying that some big changes are about to happen in the world. You can use this expression in a business situation where you are communicating what will happen in the future. For example, Samantha, did you know that many economists are saying that we are in store for a global economic recession? With high inflation rates, soaring energy prices, the war between Russia and Ukraine, and tensions between China and Taiwan, that doesn't surprise me. A gloomy example, but true. What is next on our D2V list? Next is the idiom to run its course. When you say something has run its course, you are saying that it has come to its natural ending. You can try remembering this idiom by imagining a long-distance runner doing laps around a track and field course. When they complete a certain number of laps, they are finished. They have run their course. That's a really nice mental picture. In today's report, also in the introduction, Samantha remarked that she thought the monarchy in Britain had run its course. In other words, I believe the monarchy has come to a finish and is not necessary in the modern world. Can you give us another example using run its course from the business world? I'm wondering if cryptocurrency has run its course. In the last 12 months, Bitcoin has fallen 50%. It sure seems like there isn't much of a future in crypto. No, I don't know about that. Perhaps the excitement surrounding cryptocurrency has run its course. But let's see where things are in two or three years from now. Something tells me that cryptocurrency still has a bright future. We will see. What is our next word? Let's talk about another idiom. To keep or to stay afloat. Literally, to keep afloat means to stay on the surface of water. As in a boat staying afloat in a lake or ocean. Or ice cubes staying afloat in a glass of water. Hmm, both good images. Idiomatically, to stay afloat means to have enough money to pay all of your expenses and keep your business operating. 
In the story, I reported that just after the Second World War, the UK got a loan from the United States in order to stay afloat. In other words, they needed the loan to keep the country operating. Precisely. Can you give us a business-related example? Many small businesses around the world would not have been able to stay afloat during the COVID pandemic without financial support from their national government. If they hadn't gotten government money, they would have had to stop doing business, close their doors. And even with governments around the world handing out subsidies during the pandemic, many businesses didn't stay afloat, especially in the restaurant and hospitality industries. That is very true, too. Moving on, our next item is the verb-noun combination to pledge allegiance. To pledge allegiance. Let's look at those words separately. A pledge is a very serious, very formal promise. So it's a noun. It can be used as a noun or a verb. If you use it as a noun, it most often uses the verb make. Oh, just like mm, I made a promise to finish my reports by Friday. Or I promised to finish my reports by Friday. That's exactly right. Any verb you use with promise, you can use with pledge. Or you can use pledge as a verb itself. Got it. And allegiance? The noun allegiance is loyalty to something. Usually some kind of authority or organization. So when you say you pledge allegiance to something, you are communicating that you are making a very serious promise of loyalty to it. Yes, like some people say they pledge allegiance to the flag. In today's report, Skip told us that each country in the original British Commonwealth of Nations in 1926 pledged allegiance to the king. In other words, each of those countries made a public promise to be loyal to the king. Here in Japan, most employees have a lot of allegiance to the company they work for. Even though jobs for life are becoming less and less common, an employee at a Japanese company will not quit their job on a, just a two-week or a one-month notice. No? That is the legal standard here in New Zealand, I think. Well, it is the legal standard here, too. But workers seem to have a lot of allegiance to their employer, especially at smaller companies. Typically, they will stay on the job for as long as it takes for their boss to replace them and retrain the new person. Maybe their allegiance is more toward their co-workers rather than the company. They don't want their leaving to put extra work on the rest of the staff. Hmm, that's a good point. Tell me, Samantha, do you have any allegiance to a particular product or brand? No, not really. Although I might have a bit of an allegiance towards New Zealand wines. Oh, nice. I have an allegiance towards Canadian rye whiskey. What's our next word? Our next and final expression on D2V today is the idiom to have big shoes to fill. When you have big shoes to fill, you have to work very hard to meet the same standards as the person who did that job before you. In the story, I remarked that King Charles has some big shoes to fill. In other words, he is going to have to work very hard as the British monarch to meet the same standard his mother, Queen Elizabeth, set in the 70 years she performed the job. That's right. She did such an excellent job and set such a high standard, it will be difficult to match her. 
Poor King Charles. Ah, don't worry about him too much. He has had an entire lifetime to prepare to be king. If he doesn't know how to fill his mother's shoes by now, he never will. Would you like to support Down to Business English? Help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills. Be sure to subscribe to Down to Business English on Apple Podcasts or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, why don't you leave a rating and a review? Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English. I think I can safely say I learned a couple of things today about the Commonwealth. Thanks, Skip. That was a lot of interesting information. My pleasure, Samantha. I too learned a lot when I was researching the history of the Commonwealth. It'll be interesting to see what is in store for this organization and for the royal family in the future. As I said earlier, I think the monarchy has run its course. I just don't think it is necessary in today's day and age for people to have to pledge allegiance to a king or queen. It's just weird. Hmm. It is weird, isn't it? I must have a conversation with Des about this. Is he a monarchist? You know, I'm not 100% sure. Even though I've known the man for many, many years, I don't know where he stands on the monarchy. It'd be interesting to know if he thinks the royal family is relevant for the UK and the Commonwealth. Well, I will most certainly ask him. Yes, do that. In the meantime, thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Take care. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.